the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump into this today, a very important message, what happened to me. I want you to bow your head unless you're driving a car, and let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you would speak to every one of us by the power of your spirit today. I pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And I pray, Lord, that today when this session comes to an end, that such a faith would be built in our hearts that we would feel like we could accomplish anything for the kingdom and we would take steps of faith to begin to do what you've called us to do quickly before Jesus comes back. Lord, let us live and operate by the gift of faith. Give us access to your faith, God, and your vision and your thoughts and your ways. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. All right, take a minute. Do this for me. Share this broadcast today. Very, very vital broadcast and uh, those of you that are watching, thank you for being with me and taking time out of your day to be here on the broadcast. Mark chapter 5 is where we're beginning, and um, I want you to pop these verses into the comments as well, and I want you to see this. Uh, this is a story here in Mark chapter 5 that we're going to start with, and then I'm going to show you what we're talking about today. Very interesting thought process. What happened to me? What happened to you. Something is different. Can you tell? Can you sense it? Something is different. Something has happened to you. Something has happened to me. And we're going to talk from the word of God today about what that thing is. Mark chapter five. And I want you to see this. Jesus is actually moving through a crowd of people. And there's a woman as you know, there's a woman who, according to scripture, has what the Bible calls an issue of blood. She had internal hemorrhaging or bleeding, according to other translations. And she says in her own heart, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be <clears throat> made whole. That was her faith that said that. By the way, Jesus didn't even know she was there. She determined by her own faith, if I can get to him, if I can touch him, I will be made whole. So the Bible says that even though there was a crowd around him that was pressing into him, and it's Mark chapter five, and now uh, we're gonna go down to verse 28. She said, even if I touch his garments, I will be made well. And verse 29, and immediately the flow of her blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Now go further, verse 30. And Jesus, this is so, so important to what we're talking about today. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power, or one translation says, or that virtue had gone out of him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around and saw the woman who'd done it. And the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, told him everything that had happened. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, I want you to stop right there and look 
at, at this very, very important thought here. This woman came to Jesus with a faith in her heart that said, if I touch him, I will be made whole. But notice what took place when she acted on that faith. She reached out her hand. She touched just his clothes. But Jesus, from his side, from his perspective, he said, hold on, I felt somebody touch me and I know that they did it by faith because I felt virtue or divine power flow out of my body. Catch that right there. I felt divine virtue or power flow out of my body. So notice this, that that woman, because of her faith, had the ability to make a withdrawal from Jesus' body. Oh, hallelujah. Catch this today. That woman, by her faith, had the ability to make a withdrawal on the power and the virtue that was in Jesus' body. She pulled it out of him and into her. So notice this, and Jesus knew it happened. It's not like he stood there and said, what you, I just felt so, what happened? No, he knew exactly what happened. And he was looking for the person that did it. So notice what he said. He said, I felt power go out of me. This means, and I want you to put it in the comments section. There's a number. The first thing I want you to know, there is divine virtue, or we'll call it divine life on the inside of your body. So I want you to write this in the comments section. There is divine life and virtue in my body. Put that in. That's the first thing you've got to see today. And I want you to know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. There is divine life and virtue in my body today. So vital that you know this. <laughs> because if you think about yourself the way that this generation thinks about Christians, well, brother, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. You know how it is, brother. We're just all sinners saved by grace. No, you get changed into a new creation when you get saved. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're not the same as you used to be. You're not the same as you, you used to be. I want you to put it in the comments. Divine life and virtue is inside my body. That's exactly right. Thank you. There is divine life and virtue in my body. So Jesus knew that there was divine life and virtue in his body. And he knew that it could go out of his body. And this woman had the ability, though she may not have understood what she was doing, she had the ability by her faith to withdraw it from his body. And what did it do? It came out of him and got into her. And that divine life and virtue took the disease or the problem that she was dealing with and eradicated it immediately. And she was made whole of the issue that was in her body. There is divine life and virtue in my body. I want you to write that. As soon as you get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, God pours into you divine life and virtue. Something has happened to you. Something has changed you from just being merely human to being superhuman, to becoming a godlike being. God has made you in his image and in his likeness, and then he pours his power into you and creates within you the ability to be superhuman natural. You know, it freaks people out when you say superhuman, but it doesn't, we say all the time, supernatural. It's the same thing. If I'm supernatural, I'm superhuman. 
It means that I have abilities that go beyond human abilities. Tell me what human can just lay their hand on a sick person and command a disease that you can't even see to leave the body by just touching somebody with their hand. That is what Christ promised to the believer that's filled with his power. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so number one, I want you to catch this with me today. You are a supernatural, superhuman being. But what is it that makes that happen? There's a virtue. There is a divine life on the inside of your body. Go with me to Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three, vital vital that you see this this now because the reason i give another uh example is because there's people say well brother that was jesus you know we have we need to understand that that was jesus and he's the son of god and you know he had the spirit without measure so you you realize he had the ability to do anything and we're just no i'm going to show you people that weren't jesus that had the same virtue and life flowing in their body Acts chapter three, let's look at verses one through three. Hey, Marcia, look at this. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is about three o'clock in the afternoon. And a a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that's called Beautiful Gate to ask alms, to ask for alms. He was begging for money. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, and said, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold to give you, but what I do have, I give to you. Catch that. What I do have, I give to you. What I do have, I give to you. That means... Peter and John recognized the same thing Jesus recognized. There's something inside of me that I have the ability to give to you. Notice that phrase. I don't have any silver and gold for you, but such as I do have. Meaning I've got something. And when I give it to you, your feet and your ankle bones will receive strength. Hallelujah. And that condition of being lame is going to be turned around and you'll not be the same as you used to be. Because when this divine life or virtue comes out of my body and gets into yours, what was going wrong is going to completely turn around. And the Bible says that's that's the exact thing that happened, is that when they spoke to him, grabbed him and yanked him to his feet. The Bible says here in this passage, his feet and ankle bones received strength and he followed them leaping and praising God into the temple. So understand the very thing they knew they had brought the change in this man, such as I have. What did they have? They had a life or virtue on the inside of their body that they had the ability to transfer to somebody else that would make them a different person by the end. And I want you to take a look with me in the book of Romans chapter eight at what this is that we're talking about. What is it that was in Jesus' body in Mark chapter five and throughout his ministry? What is it that was in Peter and John's bodies in Acts chapter three and throughout the book of Acts? What was it that got into the 70 that Jesus sent out to preach, teach, heal, cast out devils that caused them to come back saying, Lord, 
Even demons are subjected unto us. What was it that got into their bodies? What was it that was in the early church and in your body today? It's found in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 11. I want you to catch this with me. Romans 8, 11, the Bible says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's Romans chapter eight and verse 11. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he shall also quicken That word quicken means to startle or make alive. He shall quicken your mortal body. He shall bring you into a place of new life, of new strength. Uh, Literally, it's that picture of when adrenaline flows through your body and you are startled and made alive again. You go from a a sleepy, deadened state to now you're ready to run a race because something shocked you and adrenaline shot through your body. In the same way in the spirit, this power of the Holy Ghost that comes on the inside of you as a believer, it does the same thing to your body. It sends uh, the power of God or the life of God through your body and every wicked thing that was sent to destroy you has to run out of your body in Jesus name. But going further than that, as it did with Christ and as it did with Peter and John, you have the ability then to transfer that virtue or that life into somebody else. You've got the ability to transfer the power of the Holy Ghost and that life-giving virtue into somebody else. That's why the Bible says that they will lay their hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Understand the reason that that takes place is because when you lay hands on somebody, you're not just randomly touching them. What you're literally doing is you're making a transfer of virtue from body to body. A transfer of virtue. I want you to write it in the comments, those that are watching. I can transfer my virtue. I can transfer my virtue. Put it in the comments and know it to be true. I can transfer my virtue. See, that the Pharisees had a problem with Christ because he made himself to uh, be the son of God by proclaiming it, by saying it. He said, you want to pick up stones to stone me because I say I'm the son of God? He said, but you're hypocrites because you all know the law. You know the law very well. And it is your own law that says that God took the people to whom the word of God came and said that they were God's. Now, I want you to look at this while you're writing, I can transfer my virtue. This is what Jesus was referencing. Actually, let's start there so you know what I'm talking about. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, they're mad at Christ and are ready to kill him, assassinate him, because of his claims to be the Son of God. And I want you to see this with me. The Bible says in John 10, 31, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the father. So for which of these works are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy because you being a man, make yourself God. And look at verse 34. So important. And Jesus answered them, 
Is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world? You're blaspheming because I said, I'm the son of God. So notice what Jesus is saying. He said, you can't stone me for saying I'm the son of God when in your own law, in the book of Psalms, the Bible says God called the people who received his word gods. And I'm going to read you that passage right now. That's found in Psalm 82. And we're going to read verses one. And then I'll read you, uh, I'll read you also verse six. Look at this. Uh, God has taken his place in the divine Council in the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. And it's important to understand if you look at the Hebrew language right there, it's the same word. I know we capitalize God and then there's lowercase g for, for gods that he's standing among. But notice this there's no, first of all, there's no capital letters in the Hebrew language, and the words are exactly the same Elohim, Elohim, Elohim. It is the word for God. God stands among the gods and judges among the gods. Now look at verse 6. This is God speaking. This is God speaking. Uh, Psalm 82, 6. He said, I said, you are gods, sons of the most high, all of you. Sons of the most high, all of you. So notice this. And what the point I'm getting across is very important today. God said that we are sons of God. God said that we are gods. Why does he say it that way? Because that seems well, that seems blasphemous. Why you, people think the same way the Pharisees think? Why would we ever say that? It seems very blasphemous to say that about ourselves. We didn't say it about ourselves. God said it about us. God said it about us, and Jesus reaffirmed it in the New Testament. And then, if you read, and in fact, let me let me show you something that blows people's minds. Because I've been on YouTube recently, and I've been looking <laughs> at people that are. Um, you know, really, they are uh, upset because of this very subject that I'm talking about. You've got people that are that are going on on YouTube and they're they're blowing up uh, Word of Faith ministers and all these preachers that preach the truth of God's word. And there's people that are freaking out because people have said, and I say the same thing. I, I agree with this. It's in the Bible. Jesus Christ is no longer the only begotten son of God. That's scriptural. That's not like blasphemous, nor is it controversial. It's scriptural and it's logical. Jesus Christ is no longer the only begotten son of God. Now, he was at the time. Notice that. The only begotten, which means he was God's only son. You understand, at the time Jesus came to the earth, he was God's only son. But what does the Bible tell us? The Bible says, to as many as believe on his name, to them he gave power to become, what? The sons of God. To as many as believed on his name, on whose name? Christ's name. He gave them power to become the sons of God. So understand this. Because of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, ascension, that act of redemption gave us power to become the sons of God. 
So understand this, Jesus, no, Adam was not considered to be the son of God. Adam was not the son of God. Jesus was the only begotten son of God at the time that he came. So understand this, the moment Jesus opened up the door through his act of redemption and gave us entrance into the kingdom of God, at that point, he's, he's, what's God doing? He's allowing other people to come into the family through the blood of Jesus. And now that we believe on the name of Jesus, we become the sons of God. As many as believe on his name, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. We have now been given power by Jesus Christ and his blood to become sons of God. That's why I say I'm not a a, a sinner saved by grace. I am a new creation. I am a son of God. I am a son of God. The DNA of God is now on the inside of me. That's why I can lay my hands on the sick and they recover. That's why I can live a supernatural lifestyle. It's because I'm no longer the human sinner that I used to be. The redemptive act of Christ took me from natural to supernatural. And now I am filled with the mighty power of God, filled with the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead, who dwells in me, lives in me. And it's not blasphemous to say that Jesus Christ is no longer the only begotten son of God. He was at one time, but then he's the one that opened up the way and gave us access to become sons of God. Now that we are, there's many sons of God, many. That's why we can be called Christians. It's why we can be called Christians because Now that we've become sons of God, we are Christ on the earth. How can I be in Christ's body and not be Christ? Here's what people don't get. You've been united with Christ in baptism. Okay? United with Christ. The word united means we become one. We're united. We become one. We've been united with Christ in baptism. So let me ask you, how can I be a part of of Christ's body and not be Christ. I mean, this is the question we have to ask ourselves. How can we be a part of his body and not be him? I use this, good morning, Ted. I use this analogy all the time. Look at my body here. You're watching me on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope. Some of you listening to me on the podcast. You look at my body. If you're looking at my body, you realize that this arm that you see right here And this arm that you see right here are connected to my body. Now, my body's name is Ted. This entire individual sitting before you is Ted. Which means this arm is not Brandon and this arm Richard, but the rest of me, Ted. So, well, that is my arm, but that's Brandon. Well, this is my arm, but it's Richard. You know, but this, this, all the rest of me is Ted. My head is Ted. But, you know, this, this right here, this is David, this is Richard, this, no, all of you is you. <laughs> That's an important point to get. All of you is you. My head is Ted. My arms are Ted. My chest is Ted. My heart is Ted. Understand? My stomach, my torso, my legs, my feet, my hands, my fingers are all Ted. There's no part of me that's not me. You, you get that? I want you to I want you to write that in the comments. There's no part of me that's not me. And I'm going to show you why that's important in a moment. There's no part of me that's not me. 
Please write that and, and get this because this will change your whole life. What happened to me? That's what we're talking about today. What has happened to me? Put it in the comments. There's no part of me that's not me. That's how it works. That's how it works. If you were to go to the hospital and they put the name on your chart, they're not going to have to put nine names on your chart. You know, you, well, he's got a head, he's got a torso, he's got two legs, he's got two arms, he's got two hands, he's got two feet. No, there's no part of me that's not me. That's so important to get. It's not like my head is Ted, but the rest of me is different names. No, we're all Ted. Everything in this body is Ted. And the reason I'm bringing that point out to you, that's right, write it in the comments. There's no part of me that's not me. The reason I'm saying that is because now that we get into the body of Christ, there's no part of Christ that is not Christ. Do you see that? There is no part of Christ that is not Christ. This is so important. There is no part of Christ that is not Christ. The Bible says that he is, he's been made the head over all things to the church, and we are his body. The fullness of him. Go to the book of Ephesians. Go to the book of Ephesians with me. Ephesians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Let me read you what Paul, the apostle, wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, and I'm going to start reading um, verse 19 of Ephesians 1. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one that is to come. Now pay special attention to verses 22 and 23 of Ephesians 1. And he put all things under his feet, that's Christ's feet, and gave him as head, get that, as head over all things to the church, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Did you see that? Let me, let me bring it out one more time. He put Christ, he put all things, he put all things under Christ's feet and gave Christ as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him, okay? So catch this with me today. God made Christ the head of his body. And then, as this scripture just told us, made the church, his body, the fullness of him. Do you see that? You have to read all that together. You've got to read all that together. It's not separate things. It's all together. I got to say it again. And gave him as head over all things to the church. This is verse 22 and 23. Gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. Stop and catch that. Hallelujah. And gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, which filleth all in all. 
to be head over what? His body, which is the church, the fullness of him. I want you to write this. The church is the fullness of Christ. Put that in the comments. The church is the fullness of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the fullness of Christ. According to the Holy Spirit, the church is the fullness of Christ's body. Which means if I am a body part, I am Christ. If I am a body part, I am Christ. And you are a body part. Paul taught that to the Corinthian church. You know, what he, you know what he said to them? He said, you can't have schisms. You can't be against each other and say you don't need each other. I'm going to go there and show you. That's right. Write it in the comments. The church is the fullness of Christ. The church is the fullness of Christ. Hallelujah. The church is the fullness of Christ. This is a huge, huge and important thing today. If you've not shared this, share it. This is life-changing for people to understand the church is the fullness of Christ. He's not only the only begotten son of God now. We are the sons of God. We are Christ's body. We are the fullness of Christ. I can't be part of the body and not be Christ. All of me is me. All of him is him. I can't be a part of his body and not be him. I can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so, I want you to see this with me, that Paul is teaching them that they are the temple of the living God. We're the temple of the living God. Notice this. Paul said this. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? If you go down, he says, verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I'll make my dwelling among them. I'll walk among them. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Notice this. He's telling us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the very temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to read to you what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, I can't take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute. Or do you not know, verse 16, uh, that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her. For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Now look at this, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Paul is teaching here that Jesus purchased you when he shed his blood. Now you don't belong to yourself. You belong to God. And now you've been placed into the body of Christ. And now, if you are in Christ, as Paul taught many, 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 many times, if you are in Christ, then you are Christ. You see that? If you are in Christ, then you are Christ. Because I can't be part of the body and not be the identity of the body. All of me is me. All of Christ is Christ. And the Bible clearly told us, I just read it to you in Ephesians chapter one, that the church is his body, the fullness of him. 
Man, you catch that today. You are the Christ that is on the earth. You are the Christ that is on the earth. And, and the reason I'm teaching like this today is because if you don't catch the revelation of who you are in Christ, then what happens is, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You will experience the reality of what you believe to be true. If you don't believe that there is a supernatural force, virtue, life on the inside of you. In fact, the Bible calls it the Zoe life of God, the eternal life. Z-O-E is the Greek word Zoe. It is eternal life. Eternal life, catch this today. And I want you to write it. Eternal life doesn't start when you get to heaven. Eternal life does not start when you get to heaven. Eternal life begins the moment you become a son of God. Eternal life does not begin when you get to heaven. Eternal life begins the moment you become a son of God. The moment you are filled with that eternal life power upon your receiving Christ as Savior. Filled with eternal life power, filled to overflowing with that godlike virtue, that nature, and you become a part of his body. And once you become a part of his body, which Paul was teaching the Corinthians, he said, listen, you can't tell another part of the body that we don't need it. He said, if you're the eyes, you can't tell the ears, I have no need of you. If you're the fingers, you can't tell the toes, I have no need of you. Literally, I mean, think about that. Can your hands... Can you literally say, well, I don't need feet because I have hands? No. Let me, let me ask you this. Can you say, well, listen, I don't need ears because I have eyes? No, you can't say that because your eyes can't hear and your ears can't see. They all do, do something different. So you can't say, I don't need it. We're all members in particular of the body of Christ. That's what Paul was teaching. Every person watching that's a believer is a body part. We are a part of the body of Christ. And if you are, as I said moments ago, if you are a body part, then you are Christ. You can't be a part of his body and not be him. That's why the Bible teaches us. Oh man, I could show you something really amazing. Let's go to Galatians chapter two. Paul knew this man. He knew it so well. This was his whole revelation. That's why this is called Pauline revelation. This is what Paul understood about knowing he was united with Christ. And in the book of Galatians, there's an amazing verse of scripture that Paul writes in his letter to this church in verse 20 of the second chapter. Catch this today. The Bible says, and Paul's, Paul's writing here, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You see what he's saying now? And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Notice this. I've been crucified with Christ, but I'm still alive. But it's not me living. It's Christ living in me. That's the virtue I'm talking about. That's the power I'm talking about. It is Christ who lives in me. 
So there's a virtue. And let me just say this, the more that you can build your faith and the more that you can gain revelation of what is in you and who you now are, the more supernatural you will live, the more supernaturally you will live. You know, you read those stories about guys like John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth and others that walked in a supernatural power seemingly day in and day out. But these are men who understood fully who they were in Christ. That's why That's why the diseases, when they were sweeping through South Africa and around the world, could not kill Dr. Lake. That's why the bubonic plague could not get into his system. That's why he could hold his hand out and touch the cells of the disease and the foam on the mouth of the victims. And that extremely contagious disease would die under a microscope when it touched his skin. Why? Because he understood there's a virtue inside my body. There's a supernatural virtue inside my body that does not allow sickness to stay alive once it touches my body. It must shrivel and die. It must shrivel and die. Once it touches me, it dies. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's inside my body than he that's in this world. That's why no antichrist system and no antichrist thing is allowed to control you or destroy you or come and harass you because there's a force on the inside of you that is the Holy Spirit that is greater than the things that are opposing you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Let's go there. First John chapter four. First John chapter four. And, and a lot of people love this verse. They get excited about the end, but let me get you excited about the beginning. Let me get you excited about the beginning. They get excited about the end of the verse. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That is exciting. But let me get you excited about the beginning of the verse. Notice what John says here. First John four and verse four, little children, you are from God. Stop there. That right there should make you shout and run around your house and get excited. Little children, you are from God. I want you to pop that in the comments. My origin is God. God is my origin. You are from God. Now, this is the reason that this is so important. Your origin determines your identity. Man, if the body of Christ would get this and run with this, your origin determines your identity. How do I mean? Well, a seed always reproduces after its own kind. You see this. A seed always reproduces after its own kind. So the origin always determines the harvest, right? How do I know this to be true? Well, nobody in their right mind would plant orange seeds expecting to grow apple trees. That's crazy. And we know that's not going to work. Why? Because a seed always reproduces after its own kind. I'm not going to plant orange seeds and expect apple trees to grow. It's not going to happen. If I see that uh, two cats are mating, two dogs are mating, two giraffes are mating. I'm not going to expect anything different to be produced 
than what they already are. If it's two cats, I know what's coming, kittens. If it's two dogs, I know what's coming, puppies. If it's two giraffes, I know what's coming, giraffes. If it's two gorillas, I know what's coming, gorillas. If it's two humans, I know what's coming, humans. But when God reproduces, what can only come out of him but God's? What can only come out of him but God's? A seed reproduces after its own kind. Oh, man. Do you understand this? The only thing that can come out of a seed is what's in the seed. That's it. That's it. It's God's system of seed time and harvest. So when he gave you power to become sons, he didn't give you power to become sons of men because that would not be the reproduction of the seed he's giving you. He gave you the power to become sons of God because Christ was the seed. The Bible calls him the incorruptible seed of the word. Christ is the word made flesh. The incorruptible seed. And so when Christ... Here's something. I'll leave you with this today because this is such a powerful thought. There's so much to chew on with, with this message and you've got to catch it in your spirit. But that's why the Bible says that if the rulers and the princes of this world would have known what they were doing, they would have never crucified our Lord. If they'd have known what they were doing, why did, why did the Bible say that? Well, the devil thought all he had to do was destroy Jesus and it was over. He didn't understand he was shooting himself in the foot <laughs> because Christ is a seed. So if you want a seed to go away, the last thing you do is plant it into the ground. But the devil was so foolish. And that's why the Bible says if the rulers had known what they were doing, they would never have crucified our Lord because what the devil essentially his whole plan and he didn't take Christ's life. Christ laid it down. But the devil's trying to orchestrate this whole thing to destroy Jesus. It was Jesus' plan from the beginning. He came to bring redemption. And the moment they took that seed and they put it into the ground, they buried it in the grave. What a foolish move for the devil. Because now, when he was resurrected... The Bible calls him the first fruits of the dead. That means that his resurrection into new life was only the first one that was going to happen. Christ's resurrection to new life was only the first one that was going to happen. And from that moment until this, there have been hundreds of millions, if not billions of resurrections to new life in Christ. Every salvation is a resurrection to new life in Christ. Every salvation is a resurrection to new life in Christ. But the only reason we can get that is because a seed went before us, Christ, and made it happen for the first time. But now look what's happening. We are his harvest we are God's harvest. His church is his harvest, which means the seed that he planted determines what we are. 
I could not be different from Christ because Christ is the seed that brought me about. Do you see that? I could not be different from Christ because Christ is the seed that produced me, the harvest. It was Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension that now has produced me as God's harvest, as his church, as his body, the fullness of him. I can't be different. He made me the same. Do you see that? I can't be different. He made me the same. That's why you can't get freaked out when you understand the principle from God's word that Christ is the seed. He produced a harvest, which is you. And if God decided to call you just like him, that's his business. If he said, you are God's, then don't freak out and say, well, I don't know if I can say that. You didn't say it. God said it. And there's a virtue that's on the inside of your body. There's a virtue that's on the inside of your body, a life-giving force that's on the inside of you that makes you supernatural. Doesn't make you natural, makes you supernatural. That force opens blind eyes and deaf ears, kills cancer cells and makes organs begin to produce and function as they were created to do. It brings a a mobility to the lame. I'm I'm just telling you, I've seen all these things with my own eyes. And even if I didn't, it wouldn't matter because I am not the standard of God's word. God's word is the standard of God's word. Even if I've never seen one miracle take place in my entire life, it doesn't negate the fact that miracles are real and have never stopped happening and are the function of God's presence and power. But I can tell you I have seen them my entire life from being two weeks old until I sit before you this morning at 37 years old. I've watched God move over and over and over and over and over. I've watched many blind eyes. Some people that were born blind, healed. I've seen people that have deaf ears and partially deaf and hearing loss, instantly healed. I've seen crippled people, instantly healed. I've watched as tumors, growths, and goiters have completely shrunk instantly and left people's bodies. I've watched as people that battled diseases were instantly healed and the power of God touched them. I've watched and seen legs grow out. I've seen things happen with my own eyes. I've watched it. You can't convince me. You can't convince me that this is not God's power and it doesn't dwell on the inside of us. I've seen it too often. I've watched it take place. And even if I haven't, this word is full of those promises. And I want you to hear this today before we pray that you are a carrier of God's divine virtue. In fact, final thing I want you to confess today by writing it in the comments, I am a carrier of God's divine virtue. I am a carrier of God's divine virtue. Hallelujah. I am a carrier of God's divine virtue. Don't ever look at yourself again as just a sinner saved by grace or some filthy person that you're just hoping that God still loves. No, you are Christ because you're in his body. Hallelujah. You are Christ because you're in his body. And I I want you to put it in there. I am a carrier of the divine nature. I am a carrier of God's divine virtue. That's it. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I am a carrier of God's divine virtue.
I am a carrier of God's divine virtue. Whatever you're battling with today, whatever you're dealing with, whatever's tried to set up shop in your home or your body, it is being completely destroyed today by the divine virtue of God. It's being destroyed today by the divine virtue of God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, for every man and woman listening or watching, those that are being harassed by the enemy, we take authority over it today in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in us is now destroying every attack of the enemy against their life. Sickness, disease, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, relationship issues, every problem that's come against their house or their family or their life is being destroyed today by the divine nature and virtue of God that lives on the inside of them. I take authority over it. And I declare today, we are free. We walk in the freedom of God because of the power of God. And we gain an understanding that we are Christ on the earth. Now empower us, Lord, embolden us, and give us a passion to go and do what you've called us to do. Lord, in Jesus' name, let this be the most impactful final two and a half months of any year we've ever seen. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for it. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I am a carrier of God's divine virtue and nature. I'm a carrier. You're a carrier. Praise God for that. Amen, Rodney. Amen, Sandra. Amen, Ben. Amen, Cassandra. Amen, Caitlin. Julie. Arthur. Tracy. Amen. Ted. Amen. I declare it is done. It is done in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It is done. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. People need this message. All around the world, people need this message. What Carol and I are doing, I'm telling you, we've given our life to do this. To see people set free by the power of God. To see people healed and saved and filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. This generation needs what we have, what you and I have. And I'm so appreciative of every one of you that are joining with me every day to build your faith, to know what God's called you to do and who he's called you to, to, to be. I'm so thankful for you. I want to encourage you. This is what we're praying for before this year comes to an end. And I want you to consider it with us. Carol and I have prayed for a thousand people that would stand with us at $85 a month. That's $1,000 a year. To see this gospel push forward, I'm going to pray in just a moment, and I want you to pray on this Thursday with me. Are you supposed to be one of the ones? Is God calling you and asking you to be one of the ones who partners with us on a monthly basis? It means something to be in partnership together, to stand together and believe God for supernatural things. And we pray for you, and I know you pray for us. But we're going to pray in just a moment. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, am I one of the ones that's supposed to partner with Ted and Carolyn as this gospel is preached? And I want you to hear what the Lord says. Maybe there are those of you that are watching, the Lord's going to speak to you today. This is your instruction, partner with this ministry. Maybe there's those of you today that you don't feel to become a partner, but you're going to sow an offering. And we say thank you for that. Maybe it's just a one-time seed. We say thank you and appreciate you. And we're praying for you as well. But I want you to pray because this is what we've asked the Lord, to send us a thousand people that would stand with us before we do anything else, because we're getting ready to launch the largest things we've ever seen happen in the kingdom. 
and you're going to be a part of it. So let's pray. Father, I pray you'd speak to every man and woman today. Lord, those that they know in their spirit, they're to partner with this ministry, move them forward today. And Father, I pray that as you continue to bless this ministry, let the same supernatural blessing and increase that is on this ministry come upon every one of their houses, every one of their families in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, if you can't bless them, don't bless us. Bless us together. Bless us together as we're doing what you're calling us to do. And speak to every heart today in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for it, Lord. And we give you praise. Here's what I want you to do. Those of you that you feel in your spirit to partner with Carolyn and me on a monthly basis, go to miracleword.com and right there on the website, there is a tab that says partner. I want you to click on that tab and I want you to fill out the form. And on a monthly basis, whatever number you specify, we're encouraging people to start at $85 a month. Maybe you feel to do more. That we have many that are partnering at 100, many at 200, some more than that, 500, some at 1,000. But I want you to do what the Lord speaks to you to do. MiracleWord.com, click on the partner tab, fill out that form. Those of you that are watching, you say, well, maybe I don't feel to partner with you today, but I'm going to sow a seed by faith. I want to encourage you to sow that one-time seed into this ministry today and believe for increase. There's four easy ways you can do it listed on the screen right now. If you're in Periscope or if you are in Facebook, you can put hashtag donate in the comments section. Those of you that prefer to use apps to sow like PayPal or Cash App, there's the information on the screen. You can use uh, info at miracleword.com for PayPal or dollar sign Miracle Word for Cash App as they've set that up. Or you can use miracleword.com. If you're listening to this, on the podcast, I want to encourage you to take a minute today as you're listening at the end of the broadcast and sow a seed. In the description of the podcast, you can click and drop it down. There's a description. There are links right in the description that you can click to sow a seed from the audio podcast today. And I want to say thank you for every person that's partnering with us this month. We're sending you a brand new album entitled, What to Do When Trouble Comes what to do when trouble comes. And I'm going to have you not only receive that, but this new book that's coming very soon, believing with me further faster, you're going to receive the hardcover special edition, partner's edition of Further Faster as well for every person that's standing with us. And I want to say a big thank you to every one of you. I love you guys so much. And don't forget tomorrow, by the way, tomorrow, Breakthrough Friday, Carolyn is going to be back with us on the broadcast tomorrow, and we're going to be answering your questions live. We've got another Q&A session coming starting tomorrow, 10.30 a.m., and uh, it's going to be great. I love you guys so much. Thanks for hanging with me again today. If you didn't get a chance to share this yet, share the broadcast. People need this message. I love you. Have a wonderful Thursday, and I'll talk to you again in the morning. We love you guys so much. Talk to you soon. Bye. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.